You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. Yes, but it is time for our Biblical Worldview Question of the Week. And, you know, Nancy, this is something that is all over presently in the news, and we see the enemy hard at work because there are legislators in our Congress, in our uh, Senate, who are ready to make law and try to codify something into law and into a constitution that, Otherwise, God finds as an affront, and a. I'm just telling you, this is this is uh, what we're witnessing with our eyes is just unbelievable that is happening in our government. But then we have got to turn as Christ followers to God's word to get perspective on this. So, tell us a little bit about what God has to say about the abortion of unborn babies. Yes, and I think the question is a good one in light of just coming off of Mother's Day, um, and and now we've got the the Supreme Court uh, deciding on what they're going to do about aborting the unborn, and I think you know for me as a mother of four and a grandmother of ten. Uh, life matters to me a great deal, as I'm sure it does to your listeners. So I think instead of getting embroiled in the fight, uh, it's good that we just take time this morning and, and, and answer this question, what does God have to say about the, the uh, abortion of, of unborn babies? And, and let me just start off. Uh, I, I, I'm just saying that John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And what a statement for God to say. He identifies himself as life. I'm the way, the truth, life. And he is the definition of life. And we're going to see this play out as we try to, to answer this question. And also John 10, 10, these just came to me uh, as, as I'm sitting here, uh, getting ready to start, you know, uh, the thief comes to kill and destroy. I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. So this idea of, of defining with God, what does God have to say about life? He is life. And we'll just start with that this morning as we look back on January 22nd, uh, 1973, when the Supreme Court ruled that a woman had the right to abort her baby in the Roe versus Wade case. And as the ruling, uh, after that, that ruling, over 60 million babies have been murdered in the United States with no chance for life. And it is so interesting, while the overwhelming majority of abortions performed in by women who simply do not want to go through the inconvenience of, of giving birth to a baby, and they abort. And, and we read about the rape and incest and the mother's life at risk. That's 2% or less of those, which is a, another huge discussion we could have. But... 98% are out of inconvenience. 
And it's interesting as we look at the Declaration of Independence, uh, we look at a country who at one point was indeed one nation under God. And some of us are wondering what that's all about. But the Declaration of Independence says that we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are all endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So I think even from our country, from the founding fathers, we see uh, uh, this value of life, that it's worth pursuing, it's worth protecting. And I think we as Christians, we have a voice and, and we need to use it. Well, this whole issue, I mean, it's obvious. You look at the news headlines, and it is such a sticky issue. Mm-hmm. And even the most innocent, well-meaning conversation can go a half a dozen different ways, Nancy. So I want to ask you, yeah. um, that as Christians, how do you think we can effectively engage others in conversation about abortion and help them to just see the value of life and what God says about that life? How can we do that in a, a winsome way? I mean, is it even possible? Yeah. <clears throat> in the, yes, it is. It is definitely possible. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Some ways to approach this. What does God say about it? But <clears throat> again, the abortion is loaded, this whole thing with biases, with emotions, with anger. And as Christians, I just think no matter how passionate we are, and I'm passionate about life and young people, so I'm one of those. We just have to dial it back. And uh, I think we need to put politics and feelings aside if we can and ask the only question really at this time that we need to ask, what does God have to say about intentionally killing unborn babies what does he have to say and what value does he put on everybody he has created because in the in a sense all this that we see is a fight against god that's it coming up against god who created life identifies with life and and now we see this beautiful picture in the scripture of the beauty of the life that he has created. And we, we see the life created, Genesis 1, 26, 27. Just listen to this. And then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and in his livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created in his own image, the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Again, <clears throat> the beautiful picture of God creating us in his image, meaning with great value, great value to live, to live to the full. Nancy, I know you've heard this because we've talked about it a lot on Moody Radio, too, when we've talked Mm -hmm. with people from life centers, etc. But for years, women have been told that the fetus they're aborting is no more than just a blob of tissue. It's not viable until birth. Now, how do we address the (laughs) argument of when life actually begins? Because when life begins, life is viable. Yes, and the thing is, too, Kelly, life 
life does not begin with a heartbeat. And this is the amazing thing about it. You know, science supports human life beginning at conception. And we hear this, but this is kind of the meat behind it. And I read this. uh, I want to share this with you. It says, uh, at the initial coming together of the mother's egg and the father's sperm, it creates a new unique string of DNA. Now, DNA is coded information, the blueprint for the new human's growth and development. No more genetic material needs to be added. The zygote, which is this single cell in the womb, is as human as the mother in whose room it dwells. The difference between an unborn child, or a fetus as they call, and any one of us is age, location, and the level of dependence. When a mother aborts the process of fetal development, she is destroying a unique life created by God himself. And this is the thing. That DNA is in every living cell. That does not change. It is complete. It is you. And it happens at the moment of conception. And it it is just the most beautiful thing that God created that cell. That's who you are. And eventually you're going to get a heartbeat and arms and legs that, that, that form. But that initial one says, this is who you are. And listen to this in Psalm 139. For you formed my innermost parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Oh my goodness. And then in Psalm 103, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people in the sheep of his pasture. You know, for people that think they're a mistake and they don't matter. Oh my goodness. This is the most encouraging piece of scripture for this. You matter to me. Immediately you were a person when you were formed in your mother's womb. And, and for all of us to know that we are made. We just didn't evolve. We were made by God himself. And we see in Genesis 5.1, in this book of the generations of Adam, in the day when God created man, he created him in the likeness of God. He created them to experience life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. He, per, uh, he created them to, to live life to the full. This is what this is about. God is intricately involved in the birth process from the first cell on through to today. 
Well, much like anything, though, Nancy, once we get involved, that is human life, as we get involved, free thinking, broken, busted up, sinful people, uh, we mess things up. So as the arguments are, you know, continuing over the whole Roe v. Wade issue, we have seen social media comments from some who are in the church who are pro-choice. And what are the consequences then of abortion for the Christian Yeah. And this is where it jumps out of the political arena in the emotions and it goes to God. And for a Christian, abortion is seriously, it's not a matter of whether a woman's right to choose to have a baby, because the truth is, my friends, the baby are already living. And this is why it's called murder. Regardless of how inconvenient or difficult the pregnancy may be, Elective abortion is a sin in the eyes of God, and I'm telling you, with horrific consequences for the mother and the father, and let's not leave guys out of it. They suffer as much as a result of abortions as do women. So uh, this whole idea of the baby's life is snuffed out in the mother and father's life will never be the same again. And I've talked to multiple women, the life centers, they deal with this. <clears throat> it is a mistake of horrific consequences. And isn't that just like Satan, who comes to kill and destroy? They will live with the knowledge of taking their own child's life. And the consequences of shame and guilt and fear, you know, will follow. Proverbs 6, listen to Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans feet that made haste to run up evil, a false witness who breathes out lies in one who sows discord among the brothers. Genesis 9, 6 and 7. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God has made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply. Greatly increase on the earth and multiply. And if that doesn't tell you what God thinks of it, essentially you take somebody's life, you're going to give your own life. I mean, that is the penalty for that. That is the egregious sin. Mm -hmm. We are called, you know, we're called to be fruitful and multiply. So this idea of multiplying means to have kids. So uh, there it is. God has laid it out uh, for us. He hates it. Well, Nancy, we've only got about two minutes left. We need to uh, bump up against uh, our weather time and chat with Randy. But before we let you get off the line, um, is there forgiveness at all for those who have had abortions? No, absolutely. And, you know, I think most Christians, Christians, listen up. God's grace is greater than our feelings against those who kill the unborn. They do it out of ignorance. They do it out of fear, whatever the the reason is. Maybe they just do it out of evil. But God, 
has covered all of that on the cross. And now's the time for those hurting men and women who have had abortions to get right with God. His full of grace and love, which no human has experienced. And this is what God is saying. Come to me. I died on the cross for every one of your sins, including abortions. You know, in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Give your life to Christ, he's saying. Uh, uh, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnations for those who are in Christ. Colossians 1, 14, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And all this is saying, as much as God hates it, he loves the sinner, and that's us. And those of you who have made that mistake, let me tell you, put your faith in Christ, confess your sins, and he will forgive you. Jesus paid our debt for us so that when we confess our sins, he will forgive us of all sins. And honestly, thank God that the guilt and shame and fear and anger will no longer be ours to bear. He takes that from us in exchange for life and forgiveness. So, wow, uh, what a beautiful ending to, to this issue for all who have been a part of aborting and unborn. Let me tell you that, that there's hope in Jesus. There's hope in Jesus. And uh, please, Christians, uh, lead with grace here. Lead with grace. What an opportunity to share the gospel. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio. From the word to life.